Isaiah 5, Isaiah 5, uh, verse 11. Ashley and I didn't even coordinate tonight, and man, what was on her heart is exactly what's on my heart, so it's a good thing we're married, because if we weren't, I'd be like, dang, I need to marry that woman. You there? All right, whoa! Sorry, I just got touched. I was messing. What are those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink? Say, uh-oh. Who continue until night till wine inflames them. Somebody. In other words, he's saying, yeah, bad juju and all those who just can't wait to get drunk. Okay. And he says, verse, verse 12, the harp and the strings, the tambourine and Justin, B- I'm sorry, and the tambourine and Eminem, I mean, the tambourine and the flute and wine are in their feasts. No, I, I shouldn't put Justin Bieber in there. He's a stud. So the harp and the strings and Britney Spears and the flute and wine, they're in their feasts. In other words, they're saying they're having big drunken party, everybody's just going crazy. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy. He said this, but they do not regard the work of the Lord. What does the NIV say, honey? Right there. They do not what? Oh, dang it. Anybody got another word for regard in your Bible tonight? Per se, that's definitely not in there. What? Pain of mind? What the heck? What are you? Anyway, they have no regard. They don't consider. We'll say it that way. They don't even consider. What was that? Knowledge. Is that what it says? Come on! I didn't even know it said that. But they don't even acknowledge the work of the Lord. You hearing me, Jody? This is crazy, Jody, Jody, Jody. Jody, Jody. Ashley. Nor consider the operation of his hands. So this is what he's saying. Look, everybody's getting crunk. And nobody considers the work of his hands, and nobody acknowledges the operation of his hands. Verse 13, key verse tonight. Therefore, say therefore. Therefore. There's some attitude. Thanks, David. That's some good right there. My people have gone into captivity. Some translations say, uh, my people perish because they have no knowledge. Would you say that with me? Because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, Sheol, or hell, has enlarged itself and opened its mouth and beyond measure their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he who is uh, jubilant shall descend into it. You know, in church, it's okay, and not only okay, but it's, in, it's good that we talk about hell, because as Christians, we ain't going there. So when I say hell, don't be like, oh gosh, he said the H word. Just know that's not your destiny. If you're called to God, you put your faith in Jesus and in his life, death, burial, and resurrection and ascension, that you are not going to that place called Sheol. You ain't going there. Quick, just of this passage very simply the dude saying this those people who want to live and walk in the ways of the world the ones that are just struggling those who are perishing they do it because they don't know who i am do you hear that they perish for lack of knowledge or they perish because they don't know me they're doing all these things because they haven't regarded the work of the lord they haven't acknowledged the work of his hands they just don't know who he is that's why they're doing those things flip over to john john come on now fourth gospel 
fourth gospel. Verse, chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. <laughs> whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness. Say witness. witness. Come on, say witness. witness. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. All right, would you pray with me? Talking about John, not the guy who wrote this book, John, but John the Baptist. Talking about John the Baptist. We're going to pray, and tonight I'm going to talk to you about the real Jesus. The real Jesus. We're going to start a series tonight about the real Jesus, because how many know there's lots of fake Jesuses? But there's only one real Jesus. God, tonight, we thank you so much for your love. God, that is ever-present and pursuing us. God, we thank you that you are all around us, all about us, all within us. God, you are here, and you're alive, and you're here to open up our eyes. You're here to renew our understanding. God, you're here to transform and to touch our hearts. God, you're here to pour out life into us and to rejuvenate us and to restore us and to encourage us and to build us up. And God, we thank you so much that there is a real Jesus. And Father, we do pray that tonight you would begin to open up our eyes to more clearly understand and know who this Jesus is that you sent to us, for us, to live a life we could never live, to die the death in our behalf, to rise again in our stead, and to sit in heavenly places next to you where we are also sitting. Father, we thank you for Jesus, and we ask God, help us to know this God-man. Help us, God, to see your Son in all of his light. In Jesus' name, amen. How many enjoyed last Friday night when Jake Hamilton... Jake Hamilton and his team came and, and led us in an awesome night of worship and, and prophecy. He prophesied and preached. It was so awesome. And I had the honor of actually uh, going out to eat with him and his band beforehand. And uh, how, many, how many have a, just an inkling of, of, uh, of where you thought I might have taken him and his band? Oh, <laughs> took him to McDonald's. No, uh, no, that would have been bad, man. That would have been bad. He wouldn't have done so good. No, the truth is, the reason why he did so good is because I brought him a moose tooth. It's true. It's true. He just, he just loved it. No, I took, they, they wanted to go out to eat, and I'm like, you know, like, we don't really have that much time, but we always got time for moose's tooth. So we just got up inside the shuttle bus, about 15 of us, and, and we took him to moose's tooth, and, and, uh, and I got the, the famous old avalanche. How many like the avalanche? We got some, uh, they got these, they got these uh, wings, these, these uh, I don't want to call them buffalo wings because they're not buffalo style, but they're like Asian, spicy Asian wings. They're really good. I, if you hadn't had them yet, they're honestly my favorite wings in town. Like they are really good. And I'm a wing guy. I don't have wings, but I like wings. And, uh, and so if you, if you like wings, try out these wings uh it's really good they're really good it's, it's like an asian it's like a korean uh it's like a korean spicy curry no 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 it was, it was this it was a korean uh sweet sweet that's what it was sweet korean wings they're so good anybody had them anybody had them wings aren't they good bro Delicious. dude i just licked the plate it's crazy and so we had uh i've had some of those and we had some uh we didn't. I was going to say chopsticks, but we didn't use chopsticks. Uh, but we did uh, have some breadsticks, and it was just an awesome, awesome time. And I know as I was bringing Jake and the team there, that there's this, you know when you're taking somebody out to eat, like maybe it's your first date, or you're just going out and you've just been talking up this restaurant, or you've been talking up this 
this place you're going to go take somebody to eat, or, or maybe you've talked up a movie. You know that experience where you talk up a movie so much, and then the wa- people watch the movie, they're like, that kind of, that wasn't that good of a movie. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's like one of the worst experiences when you're like, this is the best movie ever, and then it like totally sucks. Uh, well, it was one of those experiences to the extent to the extent that I was like really talking up Moose's Tooth. And the thing about Moose's Tooth is that you can really talk it up and it backs itself up. Like you don't have to say anything afterwards. Like it just, like you walk out of Moose's Tooth and it's like it speaks to you like you're coming back because you love me. Like Moose's Tooth is just one of those places where like you don't have to really, after somebody eats it, it's just, they're done. Right, Justin? Like Justin moved up here from from California and and. And you just moose his tooth. He's like, oh, okay, cool, ate it, and then he was done. Like he, he's actually more of a fan than me. It's crazy. And uh, and so I just I just talked it up like crazy and like over talked it if that's even possible. And then uh, Jake took his first bite of the pizza and he stopped and goes, this. No, he says, I must make an announcement. <laughs> and everybody got quiet. Like literally, like everybody, like the waitress, like stopped and looked at him. And he goes, this is the worst pizza I have ever had. And my fa- my countenance just dropped. I'm like, oh, check please. You know, uh, no, and then and he goes, I'm just kidding. Everybody started laughing. He's like, this is the best pizza I have ever had. And I went, I said, it's music to my ears, Jake. Keep singing, baby. Keep singing. And uh, and he really said that he's said, the best pizza. And then I asked I asked the rest of the guys. They just all looked at me and like they shook their heads. Like, see, she thinks it's amazing too. Olivia just all over. and like seriously though, like the whole band was like that is the best stuff. Like, is the, where did that come from? I said, heaven. I think it's from heaven. I think they have like this open skies and man, it just falls. Poof, there's some pepperoni and some chicken on there too, from heaven. <laughs> Moose Tooth, one of those places that you know. If I'm going to bring somebody to Moose Tooth, I'm not really worried about them liking Moose's Tooth. I know that when I bring them to Moose's Tooth, if they taste Moose's Tooth, they're going to love Moose's Tooth. I just know it. Maybe, not, maybe they may not like the actual pizza that I'm, that I'm eating, the pizza that I'm partaking of. But I know that if they get something that just, that just pleases their taste buds. I know that they're going to love the place and they're never going to want to not go back. Like they're just always going to want to go back to Moose's Tooth. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord, I'm serious now, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Bible doesn't say, hey, pray real hard and maybe the Lord will get good. The Bible doesn't say, I hope that God is good. The Bible actually tells us that God is already good. We just got a taste. Are you following me? See, the truth is, God is a good and awesome and perfect being in and of himself. The problem with humanity is that we just don't know him. And if we tasted him, we would go, man, he... He's really good. I mean, so many people were following after Jesus. And they weren't necessarily following after him because he was God. Hear me now. They were following him because he just gave them a bunch of bread up on a mountain. Jesus says it in John 6. 15 plus thousand people following Jesus. And he turns and looks at him and he says, You're not following me because who I am. You're following me because of all the food I just gave you and you feel good. And so he keeps talking. He says, look, if you want real life, he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's disgusting. But you got to understand what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is saying, look, if you want real life, if you want to see who I really am, just taste of me and you'll realize I'm really, really good. And you won't follow me anymore for natural, perishable food. You'll follow me for eternal food. Food that gives you life. And you will look forward to every day of partaking of the life that I have for you. Jesus was really confident of what he tasted like. He knew that when people got a hold of him, they would just fall in love with him. 
He knew that if anybody got a hold of who he really was, it wasn't a matter of whether or not they're going to follow him or not. It was a matter of, are they going to continue to realize how amazing I am and continue to live a life of complete sold-out sacrifice, dead-to-myself life or not? They're going to fall in love with me. I just don't know how much in love they're going to fall in love with me looks like. Jesus was really confident that if people just knew who he was, if people tasted him, they would love him. If people experienced him, they would love him. If people encountered him for who he really was, not just for Jesus, the carpenter guy, but for Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, who came to take away the sins of the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm saying this. If you knew who God really was, you'd live a completely different life. If you knew the real Jesus, listen to me. If you knew the real Jesus, you would live a completely different life. If you knew the real Jesus, you wouldn't struggle with, man, I don't really want to read my Bible today. It's just because you don't know the real Jesus. You're saying I'm not saved? Not necessarily. Maybe you've tasted parts of him and you believed. But what I'm telling you is that if you continue to realize the real Jesus, the real God of who he really is, you're done. You can't wait to go back. You can't wait to hear him speak to you again. Noah. You guys know Noah? You guys know Noah? The dude? Noah heard from God and built a boat. And every single person, sorry, every single animal was represented on that boat. Every type of animal was represented. Why? Because he heard God. You guys know Abraham? You know Abraham? Yeah. Abraham heard God also. And through him and his seed, through his loins, came Jesus. It's okay, you can laugh in church. All way too serious tonight, man, for real. You guys know Jacob? You ever read about Jacob? Jacob wrestled with God. Say, my goodness. Jacob didn't only see and touch and hear and feel. The dude wrestled with God. And he didn't just walk away the same as he was before. He walked away with a limp in his side. And through him came the 12 tribes of Israel. Because he experienced God, he was never the same again. Man, Jacob. Jacob was crazy. It said, it said that he, he walked with a limp the rest of his life. Did you know that if you encounter God, you'll never walk the same again? All you got to do is wrestle with him. All you got to do is just encounter him. Why? Because if you encounter the real God, you're just done. You're, you'll never be the same. Moses. Moses. Moses didn't just say, you know what, I'm going to go deliver a nation. No, Moses was chilling out in the wilderness, herding sheep and stuff. I mean, what does it even look like? The dude was just, like, for all, I think he was like 80 years old or something crazy like that. Seriously. And what happens? What happened? God spoke to him from a burning bush. He didn't just go, you know what? I think I'm going to go to Egypt and get all those people from uh, uh, slavery and captivity, all them crazy brothers and sisters. I got to go help them out. Man, that's a good idea. You know, I'm just gonna, you know what? I'm just going to leave this sheep herd and stuff. I'm just going to go do that right now. He didn't conjure that up out of, out of his being. He just, no. The dude encountered God. And immediately, he goes and delivers a nation. You know Joshua? Joshua. 
Joshua was, he was like the dude. I mean, David killed some people, but Joshua like led a nation to destroy nation upon nation upon nation. He conquered all of the promised land. This dude must have been like, I don't even know, like David on cocaine or something like who? Shaq on steroids. There you go. He's like Shaq on steroids. Shaq was on steroids. Anyway, Joshua, you got to read Joshua chapter 6. See, what we do is we read, we read Joshua like 620 to the end of the book and go, man, Joshua was amazing. But we forget that Joshua actually didn't do anything cool until in Joshua 6, he encounters the commander of the army of the Lord. The Bible says it was a man standing there big. He had all these weapons and armory. You know who it was? It wasn't just some angel. It was Jesus in the form of a man talking to Joshua and saying, Hey, look, you're not the commander of this army, dude. I'm the commander of this army. Joshua encountered Jesus and he possessed and conquered a nation upon a nation and upon a nation, and he took all the promised land that God had given them. He didn't just take it because he took steroids and he ate the right Cheerios in the morning. He conquered it because he encountered the real God. Are you hearing me? Samuel. Samuel, the Bible tells us that not one, one of the words, not one of the prophetic words that Samuel spoke fell to the ground. In other words, every single word that he spoke came to pass. In other words... There's lots of prophets, but Samuel was like, next to Jesus, the prophet of prophets. You know what happened with him? He was a young man, probably 16 years old, laying in bed, and he heard the voice of God and told him to get up, receive my word, and you'll be a prophet to the nations. I'm telling you something. If you encounter the real God, not just what your mom says about him, not just what I say about him. Not just what your pastor said about him your whole life. Not just what your sibling said about him. Not just even necessarily what you read in a book that inspired you. No book's going to change your life. Books don't change lives. Jesus changes lives. Man, that book changed my life. Did it really change your life? Or did something that you realized about Jesus change your life in that book? I don't, I'm not really going to get all over that and be like, you just said that book changed your life. You're calling it in your eye. You're, you're just a devil worshiper. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we got to realize that Jesus changes lives. When we encounter the real Jesus, we're done. David. David experienced the Spirit of God fall upon him, and he became the greatest king. Killed his thousands. I don't even know how many giants he killed, but he killed his tens of thousands. Anyone who came against the people of God, he just destroyed them. Why? Why was he the best king? Why was he this, why was he, they, they say, the man after God's own heart? Do you think he was a man after God's own heart because he just was a better person than most people? Or do you think maybe God might have done something inside of him that gave him that ability to be a better person than most people? Isaiah. Isaiah is crazy. I mean, some people saw, like, God on earth, but this dude saw God in heaven. I mean, we just read Isaiah chapter uh, 5 and read about how, like, they're all perishing because nobody knows or sees or acknowledges God. And the next verse, that's our next chapter, chapter 6, Isaiah goes, And I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up. You know, like, you can't just read that and be like, oh, wow, he saw the Lord sitting on his throne. Like, that's so cool. Praise God. Uh, bless the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. There's my Bible study for the day. Like, you can't just read that and just, just kind of just keep going, you know? Like, the dude, like, got up into heaven, and God was on his throne, and angels were singing a song over and over again. Then, then they just kept singing that song over and over again. And Isaiah was like, there's no one like this God. He's amazing. And he started repenting of his sin. And God said, who will go for me? He says, here I am, Lord, send me. And then you get a read about what God told him to do. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, you're going to go tell everybody that everything's going to be amazing. And 
peaches and cream are going to fall from heaven. Moose's tooth for everybody. No, it was like, everybody who can't hear my voice and everybody who can't see me, tell them to not hear my voice and prophesy that they shall not hear me or see me until everyone is dead. I'm not here anymore, Lord. I said I was here, send me, but not anymore. That's crazy. Regardless, Isaiah saw God. And he wrote all of Isaiah. And this guy got, listen, this guy in the Old Testament got more revelation of who Jesus was than probably anybody. We still read Isaiah and learn about Jesus. This was before Jesus, this was over 500 years before Jesus was even born. Isn't that crazy? And he knew more about Jesus than anybody that walked among Jesus. They, Paul wouldn't read Isaiah to learn about Jesus. This just doesn't happen. Well, I don't know if Paul did, but people did. And we still learn about Jesus to this day just by reading Isaiah. We need to know the real Jesus. There's a lot of talk about Jesus. And I, even as Ashley was saying, hey, who is God? And let's declare who God is. And we sit there and we're like, oh, oh, dang. Uh, Grace? Uh, uh, blessed thou art? I don't even know if that even makes sense. Uh, uh, father! There it is. I know you're a father. You know, but if we... If I said, hey, I'll give you 30 seconds to name as many names about God. 60 seconds. I'll give you two minutes to name as many names of God. But you cannot use Father, Provider, Faithful, Creator, Holy, Righteous, or Just. You cannot use those words. And I've given you 60 seconds Go now. Write them down. Write them down. 60 seconds. I'm testing you. Think about it in your head. Can't use holy. Can't lose just. You can't lose righteous. You can't use father. If you get more than 10, I'll give you a pizza. Oh, uh, uh, Barney. No, dang it. Uh, Justin Bieber. Thirty seconds. Anybody have ten yet? Anybody have ten? Yet three. Anybody have five? Anybody got five? Yeah, I see you collaborating back there, Megan and Rochelle. Crazy. Fifteen seconds. Oh, I didn't have a piece of paper. I didn't couldn't do this exercise. Five, four, three, two, one, boom. All right, what you got? Come on, somebody, what you got? Katie, what do you got? Name them, name them real quick. Name them real quick. Love, did you put? Okay, a couple of those aren't even from the Bible. What? what, what <laughs> oh, so she copied, she copied. Okay, who's got something? Who's got something? Molly. So all you work together to do that? Cool. All right, what else you guys got? Do you get 10? Oh, how many of you all work together? These crazy little crazy crackers. And you guys, I saw you working over a minute too. Name them. What you got? What you got, TJ? Hey, she said it. I was singing the same thing. I was like, I think we just sang that song. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Those are good. Those are good. Look, I'm not, we're not here to compete and to see who can come up with the best names. And I was, I was kidding with you, Katie and Jody. Those are, those are, those are good names. Those are good names. For uh, but for real, though, like, do you guys realize what I'm saying? There's over 300 names in the Bible of who God is. And we can barely come up with 10 when you take away the 8 that everybody knows. God is love. I think, I think, isn't that the Bible? 
No, dude, that's from some book you read. Oh, gosh, okay. Like, that's like as far as our, like, studying comes from. We all realize that love is in the Bible. I'm just saying. It's in First John chapter 4. If you want to go there, God is love. But listen to me. If we encounter the real Jesus, he'll never be the same. If we know the real Jesus, we're done for. If you taste and see the real Jesus, who knows what your life will look like? Some of you have. I remember I was 16. I heard his voice. A week later, I experienced his presence and heard his voice again. I've never been the same. But I'm not done. I want to keep knowing the real Jesus. You know, Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Taste me. Taste me. If you taste who I really am, not just if you study the passage in John chapter 6, if you read it out, right before that, some people go, hey, isn't this Jesus like the son of Joseph and the son of Mary? Like the, those people we know, and this guy's saying he's God? Jesus goes on and says some things about him being life and him being the manna from heaven. He goes, look, eat my flesh and drink my blood. You just don't realize you haven't tasted me. You may see me in flesh, but you don't know who I really, really am. The Bible says that everyone left. John 6, 66. Jesus turns and looks at his other disciples, 12 of them standing there and says, are you guys going to leave also? In other words, Jesus didn't really care how many people came to church. See, us as pastors and leaders, we care too much about how many, how many came to your guys' youth group? Uh, like eight. Oh, yeah. How many come to your guys' youth group? Oh, 6,000. Wow. What, what do you guys do? Oh, you know, we play some games and uh, preach Jesus. Awesome. I wish I had that many people in my youth group. We just care too much about not Jesus. Jesus didn't care how many people showed up. He cared how many people tasted and saw who he was and said, I'm dying for you. Jesus didn't care if 20,000, you know, it was about fifteen to 20,000 people when he shouted that, eat my flesh! And drink my blood. They're like, dang. I got to go to work, bro. Peace. <laughs> I mean, you were like the candidate that was up for race to be like the president. But, dude, you're weird, bro. <laughs> like, that's pretty much what happened. And then just masses. I mean, I wish I would have saw this on a film. Literally masses and thousands of people just left. And Jesus was like, hey, come back. I need you in my youth group. I was kidding, man. I wasn't saying in my flesh. And that was a joke, man. This is a metaphor. For real, it's a joke. Even though it is a metaphor, he didn't stop. Hey, you can have more bread. I can even make quail come down. Anybody? We'll watch a movie together. I'll, I'll act. I'm way better than Brad Pitt, I swear. I'm really funny, too. I'll tell jokes. I, it, no. I've had so many people when I preach just live up and leave, and they said I was just too offensive. I said, good. You just weren't hearing. You weren't seeing Jesus. You were offended. I'm sorry. I pray that your eyes would be open. Because when you see the real Jesus, you're not offended no more. Oh, man, Lord, that, that feels good when you challenge me. Thank you. I received that. I know I shouldn't be doing that anymore. You're right. That's wrong. I'm going to go apologize to that person. Jesus didn't say, hey, guys, come back. And looked around. Anybody? The Bible says he turns and looks, and there's still 12 disciples standing there. If it was me, I'd be like, all right, guys, look. Benefits, like, for sure, like, like, if you stay with me, like, we're friends for life. <laughs> like, 
bread and fish, all that you want. Like, I'll just create a house right now. We'll just put all the fish and bread in it right now. Now Jesus looks at him and goes, do you want to leave too? Why, why are you still here? But, I mean, that's literally what he's saying. Why are you still following me? Did you hear what I just said? I just said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Why are you here? And Peter, he's a spokesperson for the group. He speaks up and goes, Lord, I'm going nowhere. Because I have come to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I have come to know. That word know is gnosko in the Greek. Simply means experience and encounter. And the Septuagint, listen now. This is quick, simple, just history and studying. If you want to do some of this with me real quick. The Septuagint is simply the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. Okay, so when Alexander the Great came in to the Mediterranean world, he brought his influence of the Greek culture in. About a hundred, a few hundred, I don't, know, I don't know the exact dates, but I know it was about a couple hundred years before Jesus actually came. And in with that, he brought the Greek language. And so when the Greek language came, they took the Hebrew Old Testament and they translated it into Greek. They call it the Septuagint. And the Septuagint, whenever it talks about the knowledge of God, and like we just read in Isaiah chapter 5 about knowledge, they lack knowledge, that word is the word gnosko. It's the word to experience and encounter the real God. What Isaiah was not saying was my people are dying because they don't have enough book smart. Because they don't know me good enough in the books. What Isaiah was saying was my people are dying. God was saying through Isaiah, my people are dying because they haven't experienced me. And just like Peter said, I know everybody else said they're leaving, but I've seen who you really are. And I can't deny it. And I've experienced that you're the real deal. You're the real Jesus. You've got to realize in this time, lots of people came before Jesus and said they were the Messiah. Jesus wasn't the first one. Do you know that? I mean, there were lots of people that came and said, hey, it's me. I'm the real deal. They killed them. They just, you guys are stupid. Some, some of this are like, okay. And, and some actually had followings and got big. And then they died off. And that's why you read the book of Acts. And like, hey, should we kill this guy, Stephen, they're like, you know, let's just, let's just trust God. If he's in this, it'll keep, it'll keep going. If he's not, it'll die off. Why? Because other guys came and said they were Jesus. And Peter goes, look, I've heard of other guys, but you're the real deal, and I'm not going nowhere. I don't care what you say. I don't care how bad it hurts. I'm not going anywhere but with you. You know, you don't live that life. Unless you encounter the real Jesus. Paul, Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, he's praying actually. You still following me? Because I haven't even got to my, my message yet. I hope, I hope you're following me. Paul says, uh, uh, I do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge. Say knowledge. Come on, say knowledge. knowledge. Say gnosko. Gnosko, to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Let's just stop there and look at this real quick. That you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and in all spiritual understanding. If I could translate that for you very simply because the Bible tends to use big words to express what Paul's heart was trying to say. Paul is simply saying this. This is what he's saying. I pray that you would encounter the will or the heart of God. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding and revelation, that you would just encounter him for who he is. I pray that you would know the real Jesus. Because Paul knew. Paul knew if, he, if they encountered the real Jesus, he didn't have to address every single thing. See, but we as pastors... And leaders, we feel like we got to tell everybody every single detail of the life that they need to live. But we don't need to do that. We just got to pray more than anything. More than anything we do, we should pray that God would open up our eyes and our ears and our mind and our heart to know who Jesus really is. 
How can you say something so bold like that, that that's, that's most important? Because if you keep reading, he says, I pray this so that, verse 10, you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering and joy. Do you hear Paul's heart? His heart was, I just really, really want you to know who Jesus is because if you do, you'll walk worthy of him and you'll please him and you'll be fruitful in every good work and you'll come to know him even more and more and then you'll be strengthened with all might and power and and he'll give you patience because you don't have natural patience and he'll give you joy because you just aren't a joyful person. He'll meet your every need if you encounter who he is, if you see who he is. It's done, you're done for. That's what I pray. That was, the, that was the heart of Paul's message. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I pray that the eyes of your understanding, or sorry, that's verse 18. Verse 17 is, I pray that God would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Very simple again. He's saying, I pray that God would open your eyes and your heart and your ears and your understanding to know who God is. And then he says in Philippians chapter 3, nothing compares to the knowledge of God. Nothing. He goes, I, I'm like, if, if there's anybody who's naturally good, I'm the best. Paul said that. And he wasn't kidding. He wasn't just saying it. Like the dude had everything on the list, on his pedigree, of who should be the best, the best candidate for a good person. Paul had it. And he goes, I count all that as dung. Because nothing compares to knowing Jesus. Because it's in me knowing him that makes me a child of God. Not all that I've done. It's the heart of Paul's message. Why? You know why? Because Paul was riding a donkey to go kill some Christians. And Jesus knocked him off, and he spoke to him and called him said, you're mine. People, you hear me? We're not talking about some mystical idea and philosophy. We're talking about a real being whose name is Jesus, who really does live, who really did live, who died, who was buried and rose again, and he showed himself to over 500 people. It's proven in history. And he went to Paul, the dude of all dudes, the most zealous for God's people in his understanding. And God goes, "Mm mm-mm. Mm-mm. you're on my team, bro. And what, what happened? God didn't convince him. He just said, hey, here I am. And Paul was done. Paul was done. He's done. God didn't sit him down and tell him everything. He just experienced him, and Paul was done. That's why Paul says, nothing compares to knowing Jesus. Because if you know Jesus, you're done. If I could just get people to know who Jesus is, they'll love him. That's the heart. That's my heart. Man, if I could just in some way preach Jesus, the real Jesus, then I know that young people would follow him and fall in love with him. If, I just, if they just know who Jesus is. I don't want to sit him down and tell them all the good things they need to do and make sure they cross their T's and dot their I's and look really good when I'm around. I just want them to know Jesus. Because, man, if they know Jesus, they don't got to tell them to do nothing. The, the, the heart of Paul. First John chapter 1. Well, the heart of John. Then we'll move on to John the Baptist and close. The heart of John. This guy, John, John, John the Apostle. He's like, they say, probably think that he was the youngest disciple. You guys with me? You guys all still here? You still here? Follow me here. This is really important. John, First John chapter 1. He says something along these lines. I don't really want to go there. But he says something along the lines of, in the beginning was this word. In the beginning was life. In the beginning was, he's talking about Jesus. He says, the one we have heard, the one we have seen and looked upon, the one that we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John wasn't just saying some cool words. John was saying, hey, I'm talking about this guy named Jesus. I sat with him, and I walked with him, and I touched him, and I hugged him, and 
I ate with him. The dude ate food like he's real. For real. Like I, I put my head on his chest. This is a hundred years old. John's about a hundred years old. About 70 years after Jesus passed away. And all these people are talking about who Jesus is. And there are so many heresies. Follow me. Listen to me. There's so many heresies. Heresies of bad teaching. There's so many heresies being taught about Jesus saying that Jesus was not really God. He was, he was the son of God, but he wasn't really God. And, and he was a man. Then there's other teachings and heresies from the Gnostics that pretty much said that he wasn't man because God can't relate with man. He can't relate with matter because matter's bad and spirit is good. So Jesus, if he was God, he couldn't be man. And they tried ripping from us the core of our faith that says Jesus was both God and man. For if you take away the, the characteristic or the attribute or the essence of Jesus being God, then, then the whole gospel just falls apart because only God can forgive sins. And only God is qualified to bear up the sin of the world. And if you take away the humanity of Christ, then we no longer, our sins are no longer forgiven because a man had to die in our place to forgive our sins. So Jesus had to be both man and God. Are you following me? And in this day, in about 100 AD, 70 years later, most all the apostles and all the people that walked with Jesus had already most, for the most part, have been dead. John goes, hey, this guy, Jesus, I heard him. I touched him. I saw him. I looked at him. I beheld him. And he, he's, he's, that, he's the word of God, and he manifested himself among us. He came and he, God became man, and we touched him. And he said, and I'm telling this to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. Big word just means communion, relationship with us. And truly, he says, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John comes and just pretty much summarizes it, just says, guys, I was with him. He's real. And I want you to know this real Jesus so you could be with us. And the relationship we have with Jesus. It's really important to know who the real Jesus is. John the Baptist was John the Baptist was a crazy guy. Dude ate locusts. Just weird. That's that's just weird. And uh, and he ate honey and locusts to make it taste better. You know, it's kind of like. It's kind of like I dip my avalanche pizza into ranch. I mean, it's one thing to have locusts, but then to dip it in honey, my goodness. You know, it's one thing to have, you know what I'm saying? Somebody shout me down. I mean, I'm just. He was in the wilderness. He's actually born six months before Jesus, and he was the cousin to Jesus. Everybody was cousins back then. It was just crazy. Everybody was cousins. Just Hey, what up, cousin? Cousin, oh, cousin. Jesus was cousins with John the Baptist. John the Baptist was born about six months before. Grew up together. They knew each other. Oh, hey, bro, what's up? I mean, they knew each other. But, but John didn't know, didn't know that it was Jesus. You know what I'm saying? John knew it was Jesus, but John didn't know it was Jesus. And we read here, he says, Now this is the testimony of John. Where the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? I mean, you got to realize, there's thousands also of people that are coming out to see this guy, John, to, to get baptized by him because he's poof, baptizing people, dunking them in water, just poof, thousands of people. Why? And then, so the, the Pharisees send some guys out, the priests and the Levites and the, you know, all the religious leaders, like, hey, go find out what this good John's doing. They go, who, who are you, John? And he, and he right away goes, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. Just, just want to clarify, I'm not God. I mean, this dude was so bad, like bad of the bone bad. This dude was so bad, he had to say, I'm not God. I mean, I'm pretty darn good, but I'm not God. What then are you, Elijah? I'm not. 
Are you the prophet? No. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? I wish somebody asked me that. What do you say about yourself? Well, uh, I, I don't know. That's a weird question. You're weird. Get away from me. Like, that's what I would have said. Like, what do I say about myself? Um, got me on that one, bro. I don't know. But John says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. I picked this passage because I wanted us tonight to realize that us as the church are likened to John the Baptist in our calling. Are you with me? In other words, John the Baptist's very purpose and calling was to prepare the way of Jesus coming to earth. And our job as the church is to prepare and to make straight the way of the Lord because the truth is Jesus is coming back. And we are likened, we are likened to John the Baptist in that we have the same calling and that our job is to not just prepare the way of Jesus, making sure that everything's straight and we roll out the red carpet and we get off of that thing and we let him come in in the rightful way that he desires to come in. That's part of our job. But the other part is that in the meantime, somebody say meantime. In the meantime, our job is not to stand and watch, but our job is to testify of who Jesus is. Like John. As it says here in verse uh, 6, we just read it uh, in the very beginning. A man sent from God whose name was John. This man came as a witness to bear witness for the light. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light. You hear what I'm saying? In other words, you know what our job is as a church? Listen, listen, listen. Everything I'm saying tonight is really important. It's because I just know this is the heart of God for us tonight as a church. And it's the heart of God for the church of Anchorage. Just listen to me. It's just really important. Our job is to make Jesus known to everybody. To not just talk about Jesus, but make the real Jesus known. That's our job. When we find him, when we see him, make him known. Hey, this is who Jesus is. I had somebody walk up to me the other day, and I can't wait to talk to her again. She's a, a postal service lady, and she goes, you know, it's so weird. You know, God was so rude in the Old Testament. He's a jerk. But God in the New Testament is so awesome. I gotta go, peace. And I was like, oh, I should have said something, but I'm praying that God gave me an opportunity again to say, no, you're so wrong. God was amazing in the Old Testament. God was amazing in the New Testament because God's the same God. He doesn't change. You just don't know who Jesus is because he was the same God in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. Our job is to make Jesus known. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says, our job is to make known the mysteries of God to all of creation. That's our job. That's our job. Say, my job. Come on, my job is to make the real Jesus known. That's our job. You ain't going to give that to the President of the United States. It's not your mama's job unless your mom is a believer. It's not your school teacher's job. See, the problem is, is that all of media and well, we'll say it this way. Movies and music are trying to tell everybody about who Jesus is. And the church is silent for the most part. And that should not be so. If there's anything that we stand up against, it's not I'm against gays and homosexuals and any other word I can relate to that. Uh, I'm against sex before marriage. And, uh, Drinking to get drunk. I'm against those things. See, but that's what we're known for. I'm not saying that I'm agreeing with those things. We know that those things are not right. But we're too loud about that, and we're silent about who Jesus really is. We got to be loud about who Jesus really is. Because this whole book is written so that everybody would know who the real Jesus is. It's, our, it's my job. I'm not giving that to the president. I'm not giving that to my mom. I'm not giving that to my dad. I'm not even giving that to my friends. I'm giving that to me. Because it's been given to me. And I'm going to make known Jesus. That's my job. That's your job. 
That's our job. Through word and through deed to make the real Jesus known. Now those who were sent from, uh, were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John said, uh, Baptize water, but there stands uh, one among you whom you do not know. It is he uh, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done, blah, blah, blah. John saying, the dude, Jesus, the Messiah guy, he didn't know it was Jesus. He just knew it was the Messiah. He didn't know it was his cousin. He just knew it was the Messiah. At this point in time, he goes, I know he's here somewhere because God told me I was supposed to baptize people, and then when I baptized people, that this Messiah would come, and I would eventually baptize him. So that's why he says it's one that stands among you. I don't know who he is yet, but I know he's here. And see, the problem with us as a church is that God is among us, Jesus is among us, but we don't know who he is. And we are called by God to make him known, to point him out of the crowd. That's Jesus right there. Oh, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. And this is what Jesus looks like. This is what Jesus sounds like. This is what Jesus talks like. This is what Jesus feels like. This is what Jesus likes. This is what Jesus hates. This is who Jesus really is. That's our job. But we don't do that. We don't fulfill our mission. Because why? We don't know who he is. He's in the crowd. But we can't point him out. You following me? He's in our midst doing things all the time because he's not sitting up in heaven bored twiddling his thumb. He's doing something in your business. He's doing something in your family. He's doing something in your school. Come on, somebody. He's doing something in our city. But we, we, we just, uh, Father, I think, love, uh, provider Jehovah Rapha whatever the heck that means <laughs> are you following me John didn't know yet John didn't know yet I hope that's not the thing about the church I hope we're not like that in that way I hope we're not like John in that way that we don't know Jesus yet God really wants us to know who Jesus is. I love my son, Zayden. He's my favorite person next to my wife. And one of my favorite things, I probably say that every time because I want people to know that he's my favorite, not you. And I just love it. I love that when he's not happy, that I, I know I'm the one and my wife are the one that can make him happy. I know when he's crying. I know that, that it, I just know that if I show up, I can make him laugh. I know I can. I'm actually really good at it. I know if I just do the right, the specific things, the right things, I know that if I do it just right, he'll laugh. And so when he's crying, it happened the other day, I just, I just did some things. And I'm not going to sh- demonstrate because that'd be weird. <laughs> uh, Matt, would you come up here? I'm going to show you what I did to my son. Because uh, I'd be like kissing all over Matt's neck and it'd be just weird. And tickling his armpits and, anyway, biting his inner thigh <laughs> this is what i do to my you guys were like yeah we get it we get it thanks bro <laughs> awkward okay and so i just know that that that's that, that, that i just i just know that i'm the one to do that and one of the things i love about what zayden does is he'll he'll crawl and 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 then he'll he'll just just lie down like just taking a break and it's my favorite times because i know when he does that that he's like almost like he's waiting for me to just come jump on him and I do. I, every time I run and I jump on him and I just play with the little guy, you know. One of my biggest fears, and I think it's the biggest fear of God, if he has fears, is that Zayden wouldn't know how much I love him. That when Zayden's hurt, that he wouldn't know that I'm the one to come comfort him. That he wouldn't know that maybe the way that I looked or the way that I didn't smile or the way that I came to him, that he might be afraid that I didn't love him. That's my biggest fear. I just really, really want Zayden to know how much I love him. I just really, really want Zayden to know my heart about him. God really, really, really wants us to know his heart toward us. If God had a fear, I think it would be that they didn't know who I was. Not that God needs us to know. But he loves you so much, he really, really, really wants you to know who he is. The Old Testament had many ways of saying who God was. The Old Testament from Creator in Genesis 1 
to the God of mercy who is sending a Messiah to forgive the sins of the world. Throughout all the Old Testament, God's just saying, this is me. And I, I wish we had time, but it, obviously we don't. I, I would love to go through the, the primary leaders of the Bible and show you how God showed himself through each person, through Abraham and through Noah and through Adam and Eve and through Joshua and through Jacob and through David and through Moses and through the rest of the guys and show you it wasn't about Moses. Listen, it wasn't about Abraham. It wasn't about Jacob. It wasn't about Adam and Eve. It was about how God showed himself to mankind. The whole Bible is about Jesus. In the whole New Testament, God just goes, look, I've tried showing you in part, but now I'm going to send my son. And everything he does and everything he says and everything he's about and everything he's against, that's me. My son is the full expression of me. God really wants you to know who he is, so much so he sent his son that you look at him and go, that's who God is. The next day, John saw Jesus, his cousin, right? Say cousin. Saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Something changed in John. Something changed from, man, this isn't just my cousin. You see what I'm saying? Like, he saw Jesus come and he goes, it's him. And if you keep reading, it says, this is he of whom I said after me comes a man who is preferred before me. For he was sent before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He goes, I have seen, there's that word, and testified that this is the Son of God. Something happened different in Peter that day. Or sorry, in John. John saw the Christ. He saw him. He goes, whoa. And then he said, behold. If I could give a subtitle to this message, it would be taste and testify. I really believe that if you taste the real Jesus, you won't be able to do anything but look. It's Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God. The next day he's walking, and the Bible says he's hanging out with his disciples and Peter and or John and some other dude. I think it was John and James were there. This is the end, and, and we're going to stand, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna worship for a little bit. But John and James are there, and they're walking, and the Bible says John the Baptist sees Jesus, and he says it again, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the Bible says they heard John speak, and they followed after Jesus, and they didn't go back to John again. It was done. What am I saying? I'm saying that when you encounter the real Jesus, you won't be able to do anything but tell everybody who Jesus looks like. Your problem in life is not that you're a lesser being than the person sitting next to you. Your problem is that you just don't know the real Jesus. When you're struggling in the morning, don't just try to eat the right cereal and listen to the right music to feel better about yourself. Encounter the real Jesus. We're going to be doing a series, and it's going to be called The Real Jesus. And I'm going to do the best I can from the book of John because the book of John was written so that you and I would know the real Jesus. Not just stories about Jesus, but John was written in about A.D. 100 so that people, Greeks and Jews alike, both Jew and Gentile, in other words, both people that were from originally God's people and those who never were, that everybody would know the real Jesus. And I want to study, and I want to look at from the book of John who is this real Jesus? Because I'm convinced if I preach the real Jesus, somebody somewhere will go, wow, and they'll encounter him and they'll never be the same. If we're going to do anything as a youth ministry, if I'm going to do anything as I go to UAA and go do a college ministry that's going to start sooner than later, if I'm going to do anything that's going to be over-communicate Jesus, let's talk about Jesus. What are you guys about? We're about Jesus. Can I tell you about him? I want to be really, 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 really good at talking about Jesus. I want to be like, 
Like if, I, if I'm good at anything, I want to be the best at like painting a picture of Jesus and talking about his attributes and his characteristics. To be honest with you, I don't know enough about Jesus, and I really, really want to know more. So this is a journey for me as much as it is for you. And my heart and my prayer during this time is that you'd encounter Jesus. Would you stand with me? Can we have the band come up, please? I do want to say that if, if in any way I came across tonight saying that if you don't know all of who Jesus is that you're not saved, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's not, it's not about salvation. It's not about salvation. The Bible says eternal life is this. Jesus says it in John 17, 3, that they may know you, the one true God. The, the what? The one true God. In other words, the one real God. You know what eternal life and salvation is? That you would know him. I want to know him. I hope that if you heard anything tonight, that you would hear this. God really, really, really wants to be known by you. If there's a first characteristic of God, if there's a first attribute that we can define him by and help us to understand who God really is, let's just start with this. God really, really, really wants you to know who he really is. Why is that important? Because we're talking about a holy God who is completely different from us in character that wants you to know him. That's weird. That's radical. That's extreme. That's out of this world. That's not like human reasoning and logic and rational understanding. That's like something beyond. That's like a love that we know nothing of that God wants you to know him.